0: Welcome to More Than Ink.
1: We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Oh, okay, wait, 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 wait. wait. Ma- this wait. is Christmas,
2: but, but why should we be merry? Well,
1: t- Christmas, family, trees, lights, food,
2: Ah, uh, yes, but from heaven's perspective, something much more important makes us merry about Christmas.
1: Well, what does the Bible really say?
2: We'll look at it today on, on More Than Ink. Well, a special good morning and welcome to you on this Christmas weekend. I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And uh, this is More Than Ink. And today we're going to take a break in our uh, passage in Matthew and um uh, because jesus was getting pretty confronted with the pharisees so we're gonna we're gonna let that chill for a little bit and uh and since this is uh this is airing on the, the saturday before christmas of this year we thought well let's do christmas we don't get to do christmas much and uh, and the following week next week we'll we'll do a little bit of uh new year's thinking as we look yeah ahead kind of a new year's preparedness yeah, yeah yeah but right now let's do christmas and so uh I don't know about you, but for me, the uh, the essence of the Christmas story isn't so much about shepherds and angels. It's about what's going to be said in today's passage.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think as a as a child, I never understood the relationship of John the Baptist to Jesus.
2: Right, right. And
1: so that's why we're kind of kind of zero in on the birth of John yeah, the Baptist yeah. in this in this conversation.
2: Yeah, we never really we never really include him in our thinking about it. But um, but it's the process of John the Baptist coming, and if you remember from the Old Testament. He's the one who's supposed to make a way for Jesus, uh, and he prepares people's hearts in a special kind of way. He, he was very famous in the Old Testament. He was looked forward to. But we never think of him in the Christmas context. And because, you know, he's born, you know, what, six months before Jesus is. Well,
1: you know, and you, you said he was very famous in the Old Testament in the way our Old Testament is arranged. The very last verses yes. of our Old Testament talk yeah. about this one, the forerunner who will yeah. come before Messiah. Yeah. And so, what we do is
2: we focus today on uh, John the Baptist's father. We'll call him Zachariah. Many times in your Bibles, we'll say Zacharias. It's the same guy. Zacharias is just the Greek version of the Hebrew Zachariah. So we'll say Zechariah But in, we need to do a backstory first, I guess, a little bit a little on bit. what happens before we jump into it. If you want to start turning to where we're going to go, we're going to be in Luke one, uh, in the big numbers fifty-seven. But but here's the here's the backstory. Um, and we'll do this as quick as we can, because <laughs> we want to get to what he's going to say. <laughs> but uh, but Zechariah is a priest, and uh, and he had the privilege, because he'd drawn by a lot, to go into the temple, and to go into the temple and burn incense. And while he's there, he decides, man, I'm about as close to the Lord as I'm ever going to get. I'm going to pray about the most important thing on the heart of myself and my wife, Elizabeth, which is we're old, and we don't have any children. Mm-hmm. We'd love no to heirs. have children. Yeah. So while he's there at the altar of incense, which, by the way, pictures prayer. picture's prayer. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So he prays, and as he prays then, what happens?
1: Well, the angel Gabriel appears. Boom. Just like that. Right. Uh, and says, I- I'm Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, and I've come to tell you something. <laughs> right. And,
2: and I've heard your prayer, and you're going to
1: have a child. Woo. But now... The problem is zacharias doesn't completely believe this well and we know he doesn't believe it because gabriel actually says to him because you didn't believe because me when i told believe. you right right so right. zacharias had said well how am i going to know for certain that this is going to be yeah. yeah right because his wife was old and they had been wanting yeah. a child for a long yeah. time so uh the angel gabriel uh tells him so you're going to be silent and unable to speak until the baby until is the baby's born. born. So yeah. I would encourage you listeners to go back and read that. That's yeah. uh, that whole story, the backstory is in Luke 1 verses 5 to 25, right, which right. come before it comes yeah. before the annunciation to Mary. Yeah, So exactly. Luke has woven these two stories together mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. beautifully. Yeah. So the part we're going to read today picks up in verse 57 of chapter 1. Right. Uh, after the annunciation story to Mary, and we know that Mary then uh, hustled and spent some time with her relative, Elizabeth. Right, right.
2: So now, Jesus has not been born yet, and uh, as we pick up the story today, John the Baptist will be born right. today. And as you recall from what Gabriel had told Zachariah, you know, the moment this child is born and you name him, you'll get your tongue back. And it's what he says when he gets his tongue back that we want to look at closely today. So let's pick it up in 57 as the story proceeds. Take it away for us. One okay, fifth, verse 57
1: of chapter 1. Now the time 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 came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son, and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. <laughs> and they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. Right, right. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. What? Okay, I want to stop there for just sure, a second, sure. because sometimes we think that Zechariah only couldn't speak. This is evidence that that be being in silence and unable to speak he mm-hmm. was both deaf and dumb yeah that's right you know that that Gabriel had given him uh the two signs or two of the many signs of mm-hmm. Messiah mm-hmm. that he would experience in his own body right, right the deaf would right. hear and the dumb would speak yeah but he had had all these months during Elizabeth's pregnancy to be in silence yeah, yeah. only time to contemplate what God had promised through the prophets, which all comes into play in the song that he sings once he opens his mouth. Yeah, because we use
2: as evidence in 62, they made signs Right. Well, if he could hear, they didn't need to make signs. Right, right. But they clearly were inquiring of him.
1: You know, your wife says, we're going to name him John. Do you agree with that? So he writes on the tablet in verse 63, his name is John, and they all were wondering. Right. And immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, Blessing God. Blessing God. Well, there it is. Isaiah 35 yeah. says that the deaf will hear the tongue of the dumb will speak, and all will praise God. Right, so that right. it's like this very clear messianic sign
2: yeah. oh, fulfilled yeah. in Zechariah. So. And
1: verse 65, And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea, and all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand <laughs> of the Lord was with him.
2: So they're watching John the Baptist from the day of his birth. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So his tongue is loosed. And after nine months of not being able to hear or speak, he decides to bless God, it says right there. And that's what starts in verse 67. Oh, it's so, so beautiful. So let's take a close look at this, because this is this is not just about John the Baptist. This is about the birth of Jesus and John the Baptist. Well,
1: And what's amazing to me is that, that Zechariah, after all these months of just being alone with his own thoughts and God's right, word to right. him, uh, when he opens his mouth, he has thought this through and he has gathered up all oh, the yeah. strings of Old Testament prophecy and just proclaims them all together in this beautiful song. Yeah, it's just really interesting. really insightful. Of course, it's filled with the Holy Spirit, so we're seeing okay.
2: a, we're seeing a heavenly glimpse of this event at the birth of these two boys.
1: Okay, so you want me to go on to verse 68? Absolutely, Here I'm we excited, go. I'm excited. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David
2: Because mm. right after this, he mentions yeah, he's gonna, John the Baptist specifically. Yeah. But he's talking about the big event. This he is, is. This is the big event. That is the birth of the Messiah. And uh, he hasn't even quite raised the whole issue of John the Baptist yet. So so what, when you think about Christmas, we think about Christmas trees. We think about holly. We think about all the trappings of Christmas. We think about family. But with Zachariah right here, we're gaining a glimpse into heaven's view yeah. of the birth of Jesus. Let's go back. Let's go back to verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he has visited and redeemed his people. That right there is a mouthful. <laughs> He's visited and redeemed his people. God himself right. has visited. And I've always loved that word visited because when you look it up in the Greek, it literally transliterates into in on looked. Right. So it's a, so you could we have a way of saying that today someone looks in on somebody. Right. It's exactly this. So the God of the universe in the birth of Jesus has looked in on Humanity. I just love that.
1: I love it too. You know, when you come to look in on somebody, you don't do it just to spy on them. Right. right, you look in on them to see how they're doing, how are they, and how you I can know. help them. It's a warm to phrase. Show them mercy.
2: Yeah, yeah. And he's going to use the same word again in verse seventy-eight. So hold on to your right. seats when he uses it again. He's visited us. Well, for what reason? He's redeemed his people. <laughs> and remember, we've talked about this word "redeem," redemption. Oh, redeem. It all, always means to purchase. Right.
1: To purchase. pay a ransom,
2: or the fact that there's a debt. So in the, just this little phrase, he says that God Himself has looked in on humanity for the purpose of paying their ransom. Right there. That right there. That's mm. that's Christmas. Right there. And do you notice that the verb he uses is in the past
1: tense? Right. He says he's already done already it.
2: Already done it. Oh wait, Jesus isn't going to be born for another couple months. So you know he really does have an eternal view here. Oh no, absolutely. Because because heaven, every time heaven speaks, it is from an eternal perspective. Right. It's not a from a today or yesterday or tomorrow. It's like a forever. So in in God's perception of the non timeline of heaven it's already happened it's already <laughs> happened he has looked in on humanity and has paid the price for their redemption and then 69 is a great phrase it's another one that i really really love a whole an awful lot and we see this word horn and uh, that's often misunderstood when people when people read this it literally just means something that projects out. It's like a horn on top of an right, animal's head, right. you know. So when an animal decides to pierce something when it's, with its horn, you know, we're talking about a ton of animal behind a tiny little point. Right.
1: It's that focus. power. Focused
2: power. Focused power. You see this a lot in Revelation when you talk about the various countries or entities that have power, the seven horns, ten mm-hmm. horns, those mean power, focused power. So when he says in 69, he's raised up a horn of salvation, he's saying that he has raised up a focused power for the purpose of our salvation. Mm. Wow, that is just awesome. That is just awesome. And and you know, and that idea of a horn of salvation, I was curious, it shows up in the Old Testament a couple places. Um most prominently when David is finally uh, uh gets out from under the attacks from Saul, he does a prayer. That's also copied in Psalm 18 but in, in 2 Samuel 22, he he says that very thing, you know. You're not only my refuge and my shield, God, but you are the horn of my salvation. You are the protect you are the project of focused power to save me. So this is a really well-known phrase in terms of Old Testament ideas as well. Well, so he's raised up a focused power for salvation. Where in the house of his servant David? Well, we're talking Old Testament prophecy coming to life.
1: <laughs> I'm just I'm waiting for you to come up for air <laughs>
2: well we know the we know the Messiah has got to come out of the house of David I right. mean in the blood right. of they actually the, a descendant of David and that's that's really well known so sure enough this baby is that very thing that's why that's why Mary and Joseph are in Bethlehem. Okay. you're registering them from right? the demon.
1: So, so, yeah. it, so Zechariah says in verse 70, just like he said he would, right? As yes, he spoke by the like mouth of said, his holy prophets from of old. He told us from the very this beginning is not a surprise. that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. So initially that message was interpreted as a political salvation, right? Because right? right. God had promised, the bad guys. Uh, you're going to possess the gates of all your enemies. You're the people who are going to be my representatives on earth. You're going to reign. But look where Zechariah goes with it in verse 72. I know, this is nice. To show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant and the oath he swore to our father Abraham. Now, I stopped there and thought, well, what did God promise? To Abraham. To Abraham. Right, right. Well, he promised a number of things, but he promised that Abraham would become a blessing to all nations. Mm-hmm. And that through Abraham, uh, God would be make Himself known, right? And that God promised Abraham. I've heard you, you've believed me, I've reckoned you righteous because you believed me. That's in Genesis fifteen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, Paul builds a whole New Testament yeah, all right. of the book of Romans all is of built Romans on that. Is that yeah, that exactly. single verse from Genesis 15. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But God, but Zechariah here says this is an act of God's mercy. Yeah. That He promised. Right. He's remembered what He's promised. He swore to Abraham to do this, to grant us, and here's what his understanding of what the promise really means that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days now that's a mouthful right there well, you know, you really have to take a big view of those Old Testament promises to to gain that understanding. Yeah. Yeah. And where I went with that is back to Genesis 22, the story of of Abraham taking Isaac up the mountain to sacrifice oh, him. Yeah. Where the kind of if you go and read that story, what God says to Abraham in that context is Abraham first says God will provide the lamb because you remember Isaac mm-hmm. says, "Well, you know, we got everything, but where's the where's lamb?" Where is the lamb? God will provide. God does provide the lamb, mm-hmm. and and in the next verse it says Abraham then named that place. In the Mount of the Lord, it will be provided. It will be provided, right? Yeah. Uh, and God then says, "Because you believed me, I will greatly bless you, and all nations will be blessed through you." Right. So I think Zechariah has been thinking about that, and that the the Lamb that God gave in Isaac's place is mm-hmm, the one mm-hmm. that was sacrificed. Uh, um, substitutionally right. for, Isaac, for Isaac, right? Which yeah. is this this huge model mm-hmm, of what mm-hmm. Christ will do for us. Yeah. And because of that, he says, and and holiness and righteousness come to us because of that substitutionary lamb. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And John uh, the Baptist, when he grew up, he's the one who spotted Jesus coming and said, "Look, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." Right. 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 So somehow Zechariah has gathered all of that together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I might point out
2: in a simpler sense, he's talking about from a kingdom perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, the idea was to live in God's kingdom. Right. And, uh, And Israel was the early prototype of a more spiritual kingdom that includes all more than just the Jews. but but a kingdom wherein the king himself is God. right? And this king provides protection from our enemies, that is the people who are set out to destroy us, and in a larger, more real sense, it's a spiritual battle that's going on, the ones who are committed to destroying us, and sure enough, they go down when Jesus is crucified. But the transformation of us as citizens is what blows me away in 74 and 75, because to live in this kingdom, mm-hmm. we are now free to not worry about our enemies, worry about Satan and all I wanna take us down. We can actually serve God without fear. We can right. serve God in this kingdom in holiness and righteousness, you know, that's a brand new kind of thing. In holiness, holiness always implies being set apart. That is set apart from that old way of living in the fleshly world, you know. And righteousness is doing it in such a way that it perfectly aligns with the character of God hmm. and goodness. So that's that's who we are as transformed citizens in this kingdom. We've been, we've been relieved from the fear of our enemies. We've been equipped to actually serve him all our days.
1: Wow. And how do we get there? Because that's where... (laughs) <laughs> yeah. when Zechariah now turns his attention to speak to the baby right and you child verse 76 well, will be called the I prophet the most high Oh, I'll go there yet going for the forgiveness part oh I see which is how I we see. get yeah. to be able to live in holiness and yeah. righteousness the knowledge of salvation that comes through the forgiveness of sin
2: yes yes not by earning it That's in any right. kind of way yeah I was going to mention that Paul himself uses this phrase about holiness and righteousness mm-hmm. in Ephesians 4 he I, says you know put off the old self right but he says, "Put on the new self. This is the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness right. and holiness." That's Ephesians four twenty twenty four. So, so this is Paul is saying this is happening like right now. This isn't at right. the end of the age. Right. This you have been made, you have been made citizens of the King of the Universe because of what Christ has done for you. Yeah. But as you said, this is all possible. The transformation that comes to us is through. Our repentance and God's forgiveness. And that's what John the Baptist had to come and change people's thinking about because Jesus would come saying, I'm your Savior, and John the Baptist would come in a simplistic way saying, You need a
1: Savior. You need a Savior. You need to repent. You need to repent. That's how that was the preparation for the message of Messiah. You are full of sin and you must change your mind and go a different direction because the king is coming and he's gonna demand your attention and your allegiance.
2: Yeah, and there was this presumption by the Jews that they were already born into the kingdom of God because they were Jews, they had the right (laughs) blood, all that kind of stuff, and you remember, it was John the Baptist as he was out there baptizing when he saw the Pharisees come and say, look, if you think that that's gonna gain you entry into the kingdom, you're wrong because God can look at these stones and turn them into sons of Abraham. So don't think that you're in just because you got the right blood. Yeah, it's about faith. It's about repentance. It's about so Zachariah sings
1: Jesus. to this baby.
2: Yeah, now this You is John the Baptist. will go
1: before the Lord to prepare his ways to give the knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins.
2: Forgiveness of their sins.
1: Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Wow,
2: this is something else. <laughs> <laughs> talk about condensing the entire gospel message
1: it's true and
2: and from a from a heavenly perspective
1: and it's it's because of God's mercy that he fulfills his promises to us it's his mercy it's not because of anything we do
2: yeah so John the Baptist goes. He says in seventy-seven to give us understanding, mm-hmm. this knowledge that salvation is through the forgiveness of right. sins, and it's not you can't earn it because in seventy-eight it's because of the tender mercy of God. It by His mercy right. He decided to do this, and then when he then he switches his language in seventy-eight into something that's almost I mean, just, it's cosmic. so beautiful. Yeah, well, uh, it is. It is cosmic. <laughs>
1: Yeah. whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. There's that right? word. The, the light dawns. What's a sunrise? It's the beginning of a new day. It's the light shining. The shadows are banished away to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. Well, that harkens back to Isaiah 9, bon, right? Big Where time. it says, big time. those who sit in darkness will see a great light.
2: Yeah, and it's, the the whole metaphor is just so great. We don't get it until we're camping, you know? Right. <laughs> and you get up too early in the morning, it's still dark, and you wait for the, you wait for the sun in a way to come to you. And so when you're in darkness, you don't, you can't see the way things are, you're kind of stubbing your toe on everything, and he says, darkness here is darkness in the shadow of death. It's a bad situation. And then in the midst of all these people sitting in this darkness, this sunrise starts to encroach on their darkness and gives them a whole change of perspective in how life is meant to be lived.
1: So he's been thinking about the prophet Malachi because oh, totally. Malachi has said in chapter 4 verse 2 but for you who fear my name the sun of righteousness S-U-N right the sunrise sun of the, light, righteousness. the light that lights everything the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings right that's that the beautiful rays of sun that yeah, come that, the that shine out those were known as the wings of the sunrise mm-hmm. with healing in its wings and you'll go forth and skip about like calves like from the calves. stall yeah, right you're going to jump with joy and celebrate Great, because you've yeah. been set free. Yep, yeah,
2: yep. Yeah. It's, it's such a great oh, picture.
1: it's such a beautiful
2: Well, picture. and you know, the the picture of sitting in darkness in the shadow of death, that comes straight out of Psalm 107. Mm-hmm. It's mentioned a couple times. And I, I use that a lot when I talk about people who don't know the Lord because I think about the fact that they're sitting, they're passive, they don't, they don't like life. You know, things look dark. They don't know how to fix life. Well, they're
1: stuck. They have no source of Everything life. Everything
2: feels oppressive to them, and all they are is waiting for death. That's the shadow of death. They know that death is coming, and its shadow is encroaching on them. It's really a very depressing view of what life without God is like. But God's saying here, you don't have to live like that. The sunrise is coming, and that sunrise is the birth of Jesus himself.
1: Wow. And so you can walk in the light.
2: Right. And you can see how to guide your feet into, into the way, way of, of peace. peace. Yes.
1: So what kind of peace is that? Because we all get Christmas cards even from people who don't believe in God. Peace on earth. Peace on earth, on earth and right. goodwill toward men. Right. right. Well, you can interpret that just if you take that little fragment of verses, just people being at peace with one another at the end of war. Not hitting each other. but. God is not talking about that. He's not just talking about the absence of hostility. He's talking about the presence of well-being in relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. As Paul says in in Romans 5.1, we have... Peace with God. We have peace We've with been God. introduced into this relationship of peace with God—not just the absence of anger and hostility because of our sin, mm-hmm, but the mm-hmm. presence of shalom, yeah. of well-being, the fullness, well-being of the with blessedness God. of being in God.
2: Which, which. Also, outflows into your relationship with other people. Exactly.
1: That's the source of peace among mankind. That's the source of peace among men. Peace with God.
2: Yeah, and it'll be evidenced among those who know God by those who show peace in the midst of their relationships. There'll always be friction between people, but there's peace there. I, I looked up Isaiah 59. A very famous chapter. And he says, these people who sit in this darkness, the way of peace they do not know, he says. This is fifty nine eight. The way of peace they do not know. Mm-hmm. There is no justice in their paths. They've made their roads crooked. And no one who treads on them knows peace.
1: Mm.
2: So here, the, the coming of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, is really the sunrise that illumines the path to the way of peace, which mankind has always waited for. And he's called the Prince of Peace. hmm yeah.
1: And Paul says in Colossians 1:20 that he has made peace God has made peace through the blood of the cross of Jesus. Right, right. And so we cannot separate the peace that's spoken of here from the blood of the Lamb who was sacrificed to forgive our sin.
2: Right, because he was born to die. That's that right. was his purpose. That's right.
1: That was his purpose. So, you know, often we we just our focus on the sweet little coming of the baby at Christmas right, time. Right. But this was a baby who was destined. To die for mm-hmm. us, and whose shed blood is what purchases our peace with God, because the the ransom, what we owe God from our sin,
2: mm-hmm. has been mm-hmm. paid. Has been paid. Yep, as he says, as he says in the past tense, he has visited us and has redeemed and us. Has
1: redeemed us. Yeah. The ransom has been paid.
2: Yeah. So the birth of Jesus is is uh, it's like a brand new day in the darkness of humanity. Mm-hmm. That's what, This is how revolutionary this is, a brand new day in the darkness of humanity, and this one has come. Let's read verse, verse 80 and quit, what do you say?
1: Sure, and the child grew, this is John, the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel.
2: Talking about the one who has come, and when he comes, This is the Lamb of God. So
1: preparing the forerunner, he lived a holy, separated life in preparation for this short period of time when he would point out the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well,
2: this is a fantastic passage. We hope it changes your Christmas and your perspective Mm. on Christmas because this is indeed heaven's perspective on Christmas itself. So I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. Have a great Christmas and draw near to the one who loves you. Bye. Bye.
0: There are many more episodes of this broadcast to be found at our website, morethaninc.org. And while you are there, take a moment to drop us a note. Remember, the Bible is God's love letter to you. Pick it up and read it for yourself, and you will discover that the words printed there are indeed more than ink. We're good. Excellent. Okay. This has been a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City.